Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. My name is Tony Curran. With me uh, this week, I've got Gareth DePrevo. Hi, Tony. And Rob Batties. Hi, Tony. Afternoon, chaps. How are you all doing? Not too bad as an Everton supporter. <laughs> Rob? Uh, I'm still in mourning after Saturday's, Saturday's results, I'm afraid. Well, yeah, I was pretty shocked to see that. Um, but we'll take it, we'll take it. Um, coming up today, we're going to talk GFC because, um, yeah, they... Uh, Got back to that winning feeling, a first win since the opening day of the season on Saturday, 3-0 against Uxbridge. Quite a lot of talking points in that one. Um, Myself and Gareth were there, so we'll look back at that. We'll touch on what happened domestically over the weekend as well um, and uh, reflect on the death of Terry Venables, um, uh, Yeah, someone who played a very significant role in, in Guernsey's arguably best ever footballer uh, in his career um, and obviously someone who um, yeah made a, an enormous impact uh, in the game and with some local connections which we'll reflect on um, but let's start with GFC and at Foots Lane because um, yeah it was very nice Gareth to enjoy some sunshine on my face as I stood behind the goal on Saturday <laughs> and very nice for Tony Vance as well to enjoy three points. Yeah, it was a very well-deserved three points. There's no sun shining into the Garen sand, unfortunately, <laughs> so I was quite cold up in the top, but uh, it was a good view of a, of a good performance against uh, a decent side, actually. I thought Uxbridge looked um, pretty useful. Um, obviously, it helps, though, when um, when the opposition get reduced to 10 men sort of in the first half, but by that point, Guernsey FC were already leading. It was a nice set-piece goal from um, Jamie Dodd rising to meet Charlton Govine's whipped-in free kick in the 17th minutes, but GFC ahead. Um, and yeah, they they were playing pretty nicely, and then um, the, the one of the many incidents in the game happened ten minutes before half time when Lewis Pegg got sent off for what was as our excellent picture that Sophie Raby took um, shows was a, a very dangerous challenge. It wasn't it wasn't intentional, but he went very high foot trying to volley in a, a cross, and uh, he caught uh, Josh Addison right on the chin. And to be honest, I don't see how you can have any complaints about that. Um, it was uh, it was obviously um, putting an opponent in danger, so um, he had to go. And then, yeah, after that, to be fair to Uxbridge, they actually responded very well. The last 10 minutes of the first half, they put a lot of pressure on GFC, who did well to hold out. Um, half-time came at a really good time, I thought, for the Green Lions. And after they came out for the second half, they played very well for the next 20-odd minutes, got a couple of goals. Um, Matty Loring scored a really nice uh, goal. He took it very well. He sort of started the uh, the counter-attack, drove up in the middle of the pitch. Uh, Jack Griffin had a shot which got blocked and uh, Matt Loring had a lot of composure just to sort of not try to sort of lash at it first up. He beat a couple of players and then just placed it in the bottom corner. Very nice finish. And uh, young Owen Woolbridge got another goal to his name. Um, took a def- big deflection on the way in, but um, if you don't buy a ticket, you can't win the lottery and uh, fair play to him for that. And then, yeah, it was just all a bit unfortunate. What what was a really good afternoon for GFC in terms of performance and result, it was just unfortunate that there was such a, a nasty injury to to a visiting player, Bernard Mensah. Just, he, it was very sort of innocuous, to be honest. It was a corner for for um, Uxbridge. He obviously landed awkwardly because there was nothing obvious happened. And as GFC cleared the ball, um, Josh Addison very quickly shouted at the referee to stop the game. And then you notice there was a player sort of still in the goal mouth, sort of beyond the goal line. And yeah, it looked like a very serious knee injury there. So play was stopped for about 50 minutes while an ambulance was called. 
and it's it sort of just took the gloss off the afternoon a bit. I mean, Guernsey FC eventually once the play restarted, they saw out the game with no real problems, and it was a very valuable three points. But yeah, it wasn't really one you celebrated because of what had happened. But uh, yeah, all in all, I think it's a it was a, a good day for GFC. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not worth saying what Tony Vance made of it. Um, you caught up with him at full time. All right, Tony. A very eventful game in the end. Um, your assessment of that of that three hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I didn't think it was ever going to end. Um, I mean, obviously, I, firstly, I hope, I hope the fellow's all right. It was, it was a nasty injury for him and uh, not nice. And obviously, it, it kind of stopped the momentum and flow that, that we'd built up um, because I thought we were excellent bar five, ten minutes just before half time when they went down to ten men, funny enough. And we were all over the place. And... Uh, you know, whilst we defended well, it was emergency defending. We lost our way, and and um, they had they, they had a real go. Um, so great character to sort of hold on at one nil at half time. But I wasn't very pleased because we got ourselves into a really good position. I thought we we'd been in control pretty much, um, and and we we we. We'd sort of lost our little focus a little bit for that 10 minutes. Anyway, second half, um, brilliant. You know, as I said, um, to go ahead. And, uh, and as I said, it was a, in some ways, it was unfortunate that the game got stopped because uh, it, it stopped the flow. Otherwise, I think, to be honest with you, I think we would have scored more. Um, in terms of your sort of types, you must be quite pleased with the types of goal we scored. I mean, set piece, um, nice composed finish from Matty Loring, and then Owen, as, as you keep saying, you want people to pull the trigger, and you get that bit of luck there as well. Yeah, I think he got five deflections and was claiming it. So, um, but yeah, no, you've, you've got to um, you, have, you have to pull the trigger, and um, that was part of the team talk. Funny enough, um, we, we haven't been doing it enough statistically. We'd be, we're, we're we're poor with the number of shots we have, so um, today was good, you know. And um, you know, as I said, it was it was a really good performance, and you know, I think we deserved the win. We've been deserving a win for a while, to be honest. Um, deserving to be able to sort of get ourselves ahead of teams, and also I think Josh deserved his clean sheet today with some good saves, and you know, after obviously a, a nasty um, nasty challenge, and uh, you know, but I thought he def- he he defended his goal well, as did the, uh, the group in front of him. So um, yeah, good to get a clean sheet. So um, yeah, but um, I'm sure we're still down there, of course, and uh, we still got to get another I don't know twenty odd points um, to to make sure that we're safe. But um, I think over the last five six games, I'm not actually sure entirely. Um, but I think we might have lost one or two in six games or something, and picked up. You know, a few points. So, uh, yeah, we're getting there. Um, we are getting there. In terms of your team selection today, obviously you had a few seniors back. It was sort of part of the spine of your side there. But also, um, we, did, was it in your mind that the guys who played midweek as well needed a bit of sort of freshening up as well? For sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, so for example, Sebi, um, he did 27 kilometres in five days. Um, Tom Dodds. He's literally just come back and had two massive games for us, and, he, and his body's not ready for that. Um, so he was he was sore, and, and what you've got is those two players are probably in the red zone. They would call it in sports science terms. Um, we wanted to be fresh after Tuesday night because not only you know obviously we've had two tough games there, where um, against two teams where we've had to work incredibly hard, and uh, so yeah, it was important to have some freshness today. I thought, and uh, it. it I think um, that helped us win the game. Yeah. Now you look to carry this momentum forward. Yeah, I mean we've only got um, probably the biggest spenders in the league next um, in Leatherhead away. But um, but yeah, I mean as I said, uh, I, I you know I think if we can compete, we we can get the, the, the 
the sort of the bits right that w we know that we need to do. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know, just sort of understand the, the areas of the game that we need improvement on. Then um, I think we can we can sort of push on. But um, if you don't do that, you get punished. Yeah. And disappointed to miss Santa tonight. Yeah, I was sort of wanted him to hurry up because um, I mean, uh, obviously we've got a young team there, and I think a few of them wanted to get down there with their um, they had their letters ready. So um, yeah, I think I think they can get to the bridge next week. I think so. So it'll be okay. okay. Cheers, man. Tony Vance speaking to you there. Um, yeah, fair play actually to uh, to those in the grandstand who stuck around till the end through that delay because it was very lengthy, wasn't it? And there was still a, a good number um, sat in their seats, um, kind of right to the full time whistle. Obviously, not racing off to town to get their letters in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I'd, um, it, it was quite funny. Sort of heading into the game, sort of, I, I asked Tony Vance why it was an early kickoff, and he sort of made the joke <laughs> joke that um, perhaps it was because Santa was coming to town. Um, as it turned out, yeah, it was a, a three-hour-long game, basically. But, yeah, I think the fact that Guernsey FC hadn't won since the opening day of the season meant that their fans wanted to be there to, to applaud them off once they'd won that game. So, um, yeah, it was a good afternoon for them. Yeah, no complaints, I think, about the red card. I did see... Uh... Uh, one uh, Uxbridge-related account on, on Twitter complaining about it, but I think you, you know you can't really. It's one. Of, I mean, you can't do anything about it. No, no. In, in terms of the chat, he didn't intentionally go in to, to hurt Josh Addison. He, he was obviously trying to play the ball. He, he had his eyes on the ball, but when you see how high his foot was, and 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 he is just endangering an opponent, so he, he just had to go. It was. Um, it was a, it was pretty much a no-brainer, I thought. Yeah, otherwise, really good to see them getting a, a longer-weighted win. Um, as you say, uh, yeah, Matt Loring took his goal very, very well. Um, sign of the sort of form he's in. And uh, Warbridge on the score sheet again. He's in really good form and um, really coming to the fore for the Green Lions uh, in the last couple of weeks in some big games. Um, so that's, uh, well, that's just two defeats in seven now. Some... Um, well, uh, that really creditable draw away at Southall, uh, yeah, a, a win now at home, a couple of draws, which if they did, yeah, probably should have been wins. Um, we might be looking at a very different situation. R Rob, I don't know how closely you've been following um, GFC's progress, but a, a couple more debuts in the last week as well. Um, Jacques Covin uh, and Ben Solway uh, got their uh, Green Lines debuts in that trip to Chertsey in midweek. Um, yeah, a, a, that's a bit more of a bolstered squad on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's good to see. Um and Tony's been keen to um, give as many new faces a go, and it seems to most of them are, are making the mo most of it. But to me, what stands out for GFC this season is um, is the form of Matt Loring. I mean, something of an unsung hero in Guernsey FC colours. I mean, he's been here from basically the start, I think, or very close to it. And I must admit, a couple of years ago, I would have said, you know, his his Marathi days are finished, and his his GFC days were 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 numbered he wasn't sort of making the um a big impression anymore but this season he seems to be his best for for many many years whether it's a positional tweak that's made the difference i don't know whether he's got himself physically fitter but it's great to see because he's one of these guys um who has made always made a huge effort to get the most out of his ability um and he certainly has done that so fair play to him um you know he will he will end his career having got a lot out of it and um i'm sure the green all green lions fans will be you know will, will be always think of him that got he was a good honest footballer 
And it shows also, Rob, like you say, I think he is adapting his game as he's getting older. And certainly on Saturday, was one of the questions I asked Tony was about sort of refreshing, freshening up the side. But sort of like if you look at the Guernsey FC team sheet from Saturday, they didn't have an, an out-and-out central midfielder. You've got Dave Rioi and Matt Loring, who are sort of two excellent footballers. But what, five, ten years ago, you wouldn't be saying either of those were central no. midfielders at all. And the way they do adapt their game now that they're sort of maturing... <laughs> That's the nice way of putting it. Um, they they can still they can sort of fulfil those roles. I mean, Dave Roy has been one of sort of my favourite players almost ever since I've been reporting here. I, I just think he's an outstanding footballer. But yeah, Matty Loring is um, he has played really really well all season, and he is uh, what Tony Vans often refers to as part of the leadership group. You know, one of those senior players who sort of stands up and leads by example. And yeah, he's been doing that sort of um, ever since August, really. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a really nicely taken goal and thoroughly merited. He actually was named uh, the club man of the match at the end of the game too. So it was a very good afternoon for Matty. Couple of big games, well, a few bit, very big games for GFC uh, to come. They go to Leatherhead and then host Rains Park Vale. Rains Park Vale uh, and Leatherhead both in the top four. Um, those are the next two games, and then following that, back to back trips against the two sides either side of them in the table. Northwood and Binfield just before Christmas so um, yeah there's a lot to play for before they can uh, yeah, start to think of what Santa might be delivering it's uh, yeah it's going to be uh, an interesting month for them for sure um, just a word of thanks as well to the club I wandered into the wrong room when, at half time at, <laughs> at uh, uh, the back of the grandstand trying to find a cup of tea um, so yeah I wondered, wondered into the director's room um, but yeah very accommodating they were in there. <laughs> so they should be <laughs> exactly maybe they can get some beers in there next time um, no really good stuff good to see GFC winning in the sun welcome back um let's talk uh about terry venables um guys because uh yeah his death announced uh, over the weekend uh, uh passed away at the age of 80 after a, a long illness um yeah someone who made uh, an enormous impression uh, over a number of years at a number of clubs um and someone rob who had uh, a, well a very big role to play in uh, matt letizia's career as well certainly internationally yes in fact <laughs> that, that terry venables was manager matt letizia didn't get much action yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember um, Terry Venables caught my eye from a very early age, being a Chelsea f- fan. He was a Chelsea player when I first started following following the team in the early 60s. And when me and my mates used to play um, Subutio in, in wet holidays, we used to create our own teams. And he was m- Terry Vegetables at the heart of my, <laughs> my midfield. But I always followed him because he was always, he had this great character. You know, he was always had a smile on his face and he looked was fantastically resplendent in the old Chelsea kit of 1964 with a with a short short blue sleeves with no sponsors names and I always think it's my favorite kit of all time but I was a bit saddened when he he ended up signing for Spurs in 66 and made it worse but he ended up winning the FA Cup against Chelsea that very season so he went down my estimation a little bit few years later he came to Guernsey of course um, as captain of Queen's Park Rangers and there's a great photograph in our files somewhere of him shaking hands with Colin Renouf. Um at the start of the game Colin had a big beard in those days was about a foot taller than Terry um, but um, yeah he, he was he was he was a great guy you I think I think everybody um, who watches football were always struck by Terry's charm you know Um he wasn't a guy you could really dislike. Yeah. You know, whatever decision he'd make, he always had a smile and he was just a friendly guy. 
I came across him once in real life at a um, one press conference when I went to see Matt Letizia's debut at Bisham Abbey. Uh, sorry, it was at Wembley, but the, the pre-match build-up was all at Bisham Abbey. And... Um, Terry did his news conference. I didn't ask him a question, but I must admit, I did enjoy the news conference. <laughs> I was there to speak to Matt and spoke to him afterwards. But I always remember that that that, that morning before the actual press conference, having seen um, a close-up of training through the hedges um, at Bisham Abbey, walking back from nearby Marlow, and I could see Gaza there and he could barely walk and I thought well Matt must be playing tomorrow night now because Gaza can't walk you know but he turned <laughs> the next day Gaza was in the starting lineup you know um Matt did get his you know get his his, his pitch time but um it's interesting to see that the, the this this weekend Martin Samuel from the Times is probably one of my favorite sports writers these days very very talented he was a big Matt Letizia fan and he was also a big mate of Terry Venables and he was recalling a, a, a very long lunch he had with Terry um going back about 15 years ago and which sort of um uh, sh- prove that Terry Venables was a Matt Letizio fan, but just didn't feel he was right for England at the time. He said that, you know, he believed that Matt didn't move around the pitch enough. And for that reason, he would be, he would man, he'd been man man marked out of existence in international football. And Terry was, words were, they put their worst player on our best player. And because he doesn't move move around enough, it would come ten versus ten. Except they've lost nothing, and we've lost our playmaker. So that was his logic for not picking um, for Matt Latis. It's interesting, isn't it? When you look at someone uh, like Gaza, who um, a lot has been spoken about in the last couple of days, and the, and the role that Venables played in getting the best out of him, it's such a shame that <laughs> yeah, it, it maybe a, a you know a different timeline. Um, yeah, Matt yeah. could have played a, a more central role. Yeah, but I think you. I think it's fair enough. I mean, I think whilst we're all big Matt Letizia fans, I think you know work rate wasn't his um, his biggest strength. While Gaza, who may have been a bit of a clown and, and unreliable sometimes, did get around the pitch a lot. And um, perhaps you know um, Terry considered that he couldn't play both in the same team, which is probably you know uh, would be the judgment of most England managers since I've been aware of. And there's another local connection as well with uh, with Chris Tardiff. Yeah, um, Chris Tardiff was um, particularly um, disappointed to hear the news yesterday. And um, I know he's been speaking to you about his memories of Terry at Portsmouth one, one, during the period when Chris was professional goalkeeper at Pompey. I was really fortunate enough to come across him early on in my Portsmouth days. Um, I think I was still an apprentice at the point when he came in. He sat in uh, sort of above Terry uh, Fennick at the time. So Terry Fennick was a manager. Terry Venables came in to support him and help him and sort of almost like a director of football. Um, really nice guy. Never saw him without a big smile on his face as, as he was around the training grounds. Always would say hello. Didn't matter if you were a first-team star or a youth team player like I was. We'd always have the same time for the same people, for, for everybody. Yeah. Um, really... Like just a really nice person. Obviously, didn't know him that well, but what I did know of him, I like he was just generally a really nice guy. And you wouldn't have known that he was who he was, if you like, in terms of stardom and and the person he was, because he just came across so normally. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, how, how much did it? Uh... 
affect you as a young player kind of making your way uh, early on? I mean, it, to, to have someone of his stature around, it must have been pretty inspiring. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you Obviously, you go in every day trying to impress the manager or be it the reserve team managers to get the first team or the first team manager. And at that point, I was um, aiming to become a professional, I think it was. So I was still an apprentice and I was trying to show off in training what I could do and in games to get uh, contracts. So, um, yeah, it, obviously to have someone of his standing around, uh, around the club and just the one thing I do remember from him saying was uh, he said that forwards and goalkeepers should be the best paid players on the pitch because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I really liked him. <laughs> but it was um, uh, the reason behind it was he said those individuals will have the biggest impact on the result of the game, be it in a positive or a negative way. And that's why they should carry um, the biggest wages because they are the most important players plus hold the most responsibility. Was that cool to have someone like that, um, yeah, uh, picking up your position? Uh, don't worry, I've used that all the way through. Three <laughs> days when I told Tony how important the goalkeepers are. And I think finally he got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it must have been obviously sad to, to hear the news over the weekend then for, for you. Yeah, really sad. Like I said, I, obviously, I, I knew him from a distance, if you like, uh, and just the general hellos, quick conversations when, when at Portsmouth. But... Yeah, it's always sad when someone of such great standing and such a such a nice person passes. Yeah, re- really sad times, but um, will be re- remembered extremely highly, I'm sure, by everybody he met. Yeah, absolutely. And while you, we've got you, um, Chris, uh, let's have a quick word about the the game on Saturday well, and the season as a whole so far. Um, a tricky one against Saints, but by all accounts, uh, yeah, one one where your your side put in a really good showing. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd rather put in a bad show and win a game, <laughs> but we're uh, we're definitely we are definitely moving in the right direction. Um, I said to the guys after the game, I'm almost set up uh, fed up of saying to them that we're so close, we are so close to doing it. Um, so I've got to sort of take a, a step back and see how far we've progressed since we took over um, as as a team, as individuals, and as a club. So I take massive pride from that, uh, and so should the players, but. Performance-wise, yeah, that's some of the best passing patterns of play we've had. Um, the most composed we look in the game, uh, and like we said to them after the game, small margins winning these games. Unfortunately, when we get to sort of the top end, um, Jason's made a good save off Shane, and if that had gone in, we go one 0 up, and then it's a different story. But then they go and take an opportunity at the far end. Um, we make a mistake. We don't. We don't help our teammate out and cover for him. Uh, and it results in, the, in them scoring. But um, I've got to take huge positives, and so should the players from um, Saturday. We are competing, and in a, a different time, in a different manner, maybe we'd have got at least one point out of the last from each of the last three games against potentially what could be the top three. We're, we're, we're clearly doing something right. Uh, with a bit of luck and a bit more hard work, um, we will get there. And just finally, uh, as you said, you've played the the top three um, in the last three outings. Uh, can I push you for for who you think is uh, looking strongest in terms of the the title race? Um, good question. Um, all three. The, the, one of the main reasons all three are up there because they've got such good strength and depth and squads. Um, they miss a few players, but it doesn't really matter for them. They 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 fill in with with good good ability. If, 
Um, so it depends on the day. I still think they'll record the strongest in terms of squad with the amount of players they have. Um, they've got a bigger, stronger squad. Um, they're very, very good on the counter-attack. Rovers have been there and done that, so that gives them a big plus. And I think the uh, Leon Meekin coming back at Saints is just giving the guys that little bit of buzz again and um, and that good feeling back. So they will be a threat too. It's, I wouldn't like to put my uh, money on who it would be because it's very, very tight. And I also think North should and will be up there with them. So it's a, it's a very tight year, um, which I think bodes really well for us as a as a footballing island and we're improving all over the place. So it just makes it for a more competitive league. And even those at the bottom are, as you've seen at the weekend, with ordinary getting a draw against North. We're all competitive games now. There's no easy walkovers. Yeah, it's set up really nicely, isn't it? Well, thanks for um, sparing a bit of time, Chris. We'll, uh, we'll catch you soon. No problem. Chris Tardiff speaking to me there. Uh, before we talk about the Premier League this weekend, or talk more about the Premier League this weekend, Gareth, um, uh, any sort of strong thoughts of, of Terry Venables? Well, yeah, well, like Rob said, Terry Venables just had a great charisma about him, which you don't really get from international managers. You know, it's, it's one of those... Most international managers in my time, certainly England managers, are very probably Marmite people, I suppose, in that regard. But everyone seemed to love Terry Venables. And um, going back to when I was a kid, back in the days of videos, which a lot of our listeners probably don't even know about these days, because it's all on YouTube and stuff like that. But I mean, oh, the Leprevo household was just awash with sports videos, mainly cricket and football. And um, with my dad being a Spurs fan, we had um, they did used to do a series of the greatest ever 11s. And the Spurs, we had the Spurs one, and that was picked by Terry Venables. And he was just a brilliant storyteller. I just remember watching that video. It was sort of perhaps an hour long, sort of like and going through who would be his greatest ever Spurs team. But this was probably back in, I don't know, early 90s, I suppose, something like that. And he used to tell, he told this great story of um, Jimmy Greaves, you know, when uh, when Terry first got in, I think it must have been the Chelsea side back in the day, um, Jimmy Greaves went to pick him up to, to go to to go to a match. And um, so he picked him up and on the way to the match, Jimmy just sort of turned into this pub, said, we'll go for a spot of lunch, son. We'll go for a spot of lunch. And he went in and sort of Terry was a bit surprised by this, walked in, what do you want? What do you want? And he goes, well, I'll have a bit of bit of boiled chicken or something. Oh, good preparation for the match, eh? Yeah. Yeah, what are you having, Jimmy? I'll have a roast beef, Yorkshire's puds, <laughs> all the trimmings, please. They went off to this match, they won 5-1 and Jimmy scored four. You know, it's, a, it's just this great it's just a great storyteller, and that's sort of like how I just remember like Rob says, you just Terry Venables always had a smile on his face. He always, and he was just someone you just really warmed to. And um, yeah, I, I, it, it would just. I mean, back in that, back in those days in nineties, you're probably the same as me, Tony. You remember '96, the summer '96 yeah. so well. It's just a shame he didn't remain England manager. Obviously, that was more to do with his uh, business dealings outside of football. But if he'd have been England manager, you know, what could he have gone on to achieve in? In World Cup '98, possibly, you know. Yeah, for those of a certain age, that is a sort of iconic, seminal kind of yeah. moment in, in in our football development. I, I can still just remember that Holland game when they won four one, and sort of not believing it almost because that Holland side was full of some household names, and they got absolutely destroyed winning them that night. And it was just, I just remember just feeling sort of a happiness watching England that I'd probably never felt before or since, to be honest. Yeah, that, that's that it. Night. I, I was listening to um, Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, at lunch and there, there was, a, was a text from a listener who sort of said saying of actually the year 96 
like the performances kind of generally weren't that good. You know, they got they no, kind of no. got away with it quite a lot. Um, but it didn't feel that way at all. It's just it felt like it was like riding the crest of this wave. But, yeah, a large part of that down to the fact that, that Terry Venables was in charge and kind of just everything felt good when he was uh, winning the show. The really weird thing I remember about that tournament particularly was I was playing in a cricket tournament in Jersey when England played the start of their tournament. So they played Switzerland, I think, on a Saturday afternoon and they drew one all and it was very sort of downbeat. But when they played Scotland and Gaza scored that goal, the dentist chair goal, it was actually during the tea break of a football game, uh, of a cricket game I was playing in and we saw the goal live. And it was sort of so fortunate that we only sort of were off the pitch for a quarter of an hour and we saw that goal live and it was just, the place went ballistic. It was such a fantastic goal. But that's the sort of thing that Venables wanted to encourage, you know, those sort of things. Let's have a quick look at the uh, Premier League and uh, what's been happening there at the weekend and, and what's coming up. Well, Bells and Rovers didn't finish, did it? There was a floodlight failure there, uh, a bit of a light show by all accounts uh, uh, at the track. Um, but on Saturday, um, uh, some interesting results. Um, Wreck coming from behind to beat Sylvans. Uh, Saints 2-0 winners against Rangers um, and Alderney uh, 0-0 against North. Um, yeah, a, a great point for them and a second point of the season um, for Alderney. I don't know what we saw. Well, I've read the report now. <laughs> <laughs> we've had our we've had our correspondent Harry Jones in in touch with a couple of the coaches today, and um, before Rob even says it, I don't want to I don't want us, us being accused of bias, but um, Leon Meekin in his first game back as Saints coach uh, was full of praise for Rangers, especially in the first half. By all accounts, Rangers were very very good, and um, Meeky was very impressed with them. Um, yeah, like you say, I think it was Nigel Hutton and uh, Alex Russell who got the goals for Saints on the day, but they obviously had to work hard for that that win. Yeah, unfortunately, I missed a game, um, but a very independent um, spy tells me that through another individual that that it was probably the best Premier League game he'd seen all season and three players stood out for him. On the Saints side, Ben Solway was very, very accomplished at the back and had a really good game. Um, probably, you know, confidence boosted from getting his GFC de- debut. And on the Rangers side, um, the two players that stood out particularly were the midfielders Sam Green and Jack Smith, who, from what I understand, basically um, ran the show in the first half. But after half time, I think Rangers, from what I gather, panicked a little bit, stopped playing their football. Um, played it a bit longer and Saints were a bit more comfortable and a bit stronger but it's not a result that would surprise anybody but from Rangers point of view um, I know they get they feel they're getting a lot closer having pushed the top three th- top three sides in the last three weeks you know um, Valrec um, left it very late to to ram home their sort of their um, superiority on the 3G the previous week and then of course Steve Renner had missed a penalty two or three minutes to go the previous week um, Rangers would have um, probably drawn 3-3 with Rovers but it just shows to me I think the whole league this season whilst there's no standout side it's very very interesting I think you look at you know who will win the league and nobody can really really make a positive um, claim on on that at this stage you know it's very 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 open Um, I think the Saints appointment of Leon Meakin coming back is probably going to perk them up no end um, at this crucial period I wouldn't write them off even though they're clearly not as strong as they were um, last season or two seasons ago when of course when they won the Upton you know they are they are rebuilding but they still got some strong players in there Um, they're not quite so dynamic going forward of course 
But they'll be there and thereabouts. Wrecker having a great season. I was really impressed with them when they played against Rangers a couple of weeks ago. They really are working together. A really good, tight team. And um, But again, they were... From what again, they were a bit, bit, bit lucky to get the points against Sylvans on Saturday, who had a particularly good day, and they've got some great youngsters coming, coming through there. Um, and of course, Rovers keep churning out the results without being overly impressive. Um, and then of course, there's North, who there people will write them off, say you know they're they're out of the, they're a long way behind, but it's only because of the fact they've only played five games, and um, you know I think if they can get anywhere near their strongest side out for the games against the top sides. But they're more than capable of winning those matches and getting themselves back into the title picture. So it's really a very interesting league. Yeah, it's bubbling along quite nice, isn't it? And coming to the boil. Um, yeah. And I think that's what the local public want to see, to be honest. They don't really want to see one team just run away with it and or a couple of teams walloping everybody else, five, six, seven, ten nil, of, which was a case of days gone past. The standard might not be that great, uh, so great, and the um, lacking the real individual stars. Um, but a lot of these games are very competitive and it's worth going along just to see, hmm, what's going to happen today? You can never be quite sure. Yeah, too right. I mean, like you say, Rob, I mean, Velrec have done brilliantly this year and they're unbeaten in the league so far. But even going into Saturday, you'd say, yes, their favourites play Sylvans. But it's not a surprise that Sylvans gave them a real good game and could have come away with something from that. And that, that just shows how competitive the, the league is, that you are going to any game nowadays not knowing who's going to win. Well, virtually any game, I'd say. Uh, and that's something very different from how it used to be sort of many moons ago when certain sides ruled the roost and um, everyone else was playing for second place. Yeah, bubbling along really nicely uh, in the FNB Premier League. Um, uh, there's a game in midweek, North against Sylvans uh, tomorrow night. Then a, an interesting one on Friday night, Wreck go to St. Martins. Uh, and then on Saturday, it's Rangers Alderney, Rovers North and Sylvans Bells. Um, so we'll be right across that here at the Guernsey Press. I think that's just about it then from us. Uh, anything you want to get off your chest this week, Rob? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not very cool, calm and collected yeah. this week. And cheerier than the last time you are in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, Gareth. Cheers. Cheers, Annie.